The value of investments can fall as well as rise, and losses may be made. I received a piece of work from the desk of Malcolm Charles, Portfolio Manager, Diversified Income Fund at 91 in Cape Town, the title of which is as follows, South Africa, Perceptions versus Reality. Before we get into the nitty-gritty, Malcolm, are you a perceptionist or a realist? I'm a bit of a realist. Eh? Ah, OK, good. And your reason for this piece, do you think that South Africa is being misrepresented either by the media or by foreign fund managers? What was your rationale behind writing this piece? Yeah, it actually came after I'd done a bit of a road trip around the country and almost every meeting started the same way. People were downbeat, they were tired, and they were just flipping negative about everything. And, and they could only see the negative. And I think a lot of it is the press. I mean, you know, quite a few headlines typically slant that way. Yeah. But I was astounded how people were, you know, how dogmatic they were that absolutely nothing was going in the right direction and then hence how negative they were in the outlook for their portfolios and their lives going forward. And that's not just because you love South Africa, you've been brought up in South Africa and you have a patriotism attached to you know your asset class and also your daily life. It's not just that. It's actually a realist is somebody who actually has studied what's going on and has said, no, the perception is different from the reality. Is that a fair comment? No, very much so. And I'm not trying to say everything's hunky-dory and kumbaya and we've got no challenges. My job is to look for opportunity and go, okay, what's the risk-return of that opportunity? And you know, when I looked and, and I really analysed what had been achieved, where we are at as a country, and the small little steps that we have made, to how that has changed the structure of the rebuilding of the state, etc. I suddenly realised that you know we we are now at one of the cheapest levels the bond market has ever been, and I, and I've only seen this happen three or four times in my entire career, yeah. and that's the message I was trying to get across: is that we are at the cusp of a potential great little return rally in in our market. Yes, okay, so we're talking about the bond market again, but we have to look at other things uh, before we get to the nitty-gritty and the semantics of the bond market. Perception versus reality, the slide I'm looking at now says the perception is that Cyril has done nothing, Cyril Ramaphosa uh, being the president of the Republic of South Africa. ESCOM is going to implode. The third one, you say, SA faces economic collapse and the RAND is in freefall. Clearly, these are overstated cases. But on the other hand, there's an element of reality to what I've just read out from your piece, mm, by, by the way. And which one of those is closest to reality? I don't think any of them are because they're binary sort of statements where you know, you're either fantastic or you, you're a deadbeat. And, and I'm saying the truth is somewhere in between on all of those. Mm -hmm. You know, we must be very careful of, because things don't feel hunky-dory, doesn't mean that you are the worst performing currency or worst country or worst investment opportunity in the world. And, you know, realizing that the world is all about relativity and, you know, we need to judge ourselves against what's going on in the world. And when you do that, South Africa actually stacks up okay we've actually gone a little bit more forward than a lot of our peers and in some cases even behaved a lot better than some of the developed markets out there as far as monetary and fiscal policy goes. So just the realism of understanding that if you, if you take a couple of steps forward while your competitors stand still or go backwards, you actually are a better investment you know, sort of opportunity. 
for your clients. I particularly like the slide where you say SA faces economic collapse. That's a perception. You say the reality mm. is ahead of the curve, inflation is controlled. And I spoke to one of your brainy people in London, 91 London. We were talking about interest rates and emerging market inflation. And I said, I think that the emerging market economies and the people that run the money in those emerging markets actually acted quicker than the developed market world central bankers did and therefore inflation was nipped in the bud and you say exactly the same thing inflation is controlled Mm. i think it's because of the legacy and and the history of what happens when you don't act quickly (laughs) well that's the thing we've made this mistake in the past and we've learned from our mistake whereas you know i think we've got to recognize that the developed world has had very low rates for a very long time and Potentially, but a complacency sort of crept in there that that they thought you know things things wouldn't get out of hand. And then, end of last year, when inflation was transitory, we were told. Yeah. Thankfully, Lissetia Chanyago didn't buy that argument, and he started hiking in November already. Yeah. So he was he was months ahead of most of the developed markets as far as hiking rates, and hence our, our inflation peaked out in July at 7.8 a good percent or so lower than the US and, and, and almost 3% lower than the UK is going to peak out. At. So, you know, it's a pretty healthy environment where if you look at both the Bank of England after the, this week's hike and the Fed's hikes, they are now higher than they were going into the global financial crisis in their, as far as their policy rate goes. We are 5% lower than our policy rate was going before the global financial crisis which tells you that we've consistently been fighting inflation and have have done a pretty decent job about it. So, yes, I I think many crises have sort of led to the robustness and the conservativeness of our Reserve Bank. Okay, well, let me play devil's advocate here, if I can, Malcolm. One of the reasons why inflation is under control is not because of the... It's one of the reasons is because of Lesetja Kanyago and his team at the South African Reserve Bank and coming to the party very quickly. But on the other hand, the other reason is because there's no demand in South Africa because there's massive unemployment, people haven't got money to spend. Devil's advocate. No, there is an element of that. But then again, it doesn't mean that as a fiscus we are on our knees because we, we've had a hangover, a lot of luck. You know, we've had a commodity boom for the last two and a half years. And thankfully, we've got a finance minister who, for the first time in many, many years, we've got a finance minister that's got the president's got his back. He wants and likes the job. And he's got the political diplomacy to speak tough to his colleagues in cabinet. And we haven't had that since Trevor Manuel and Tabon Becky was president. So what he's done with the windfall taxes that we've got is that he's actually reduced debt. So he's run quite an austere budget and he's consolidated the debt position that we were in. We were in a dire strait due to the scenario that we had, you know, the COVID and the lack of demand. But we haven't blown it, and we've actually, in that tight environment, actually improved our fiscus uh, numbers so that, as a country, we're looking a little bit better than, than, than quite a few other emerging markets. Yes, when I look at the currency markets, for example, talking about inflation, because often we import, or rather South Africa imports inflation, the RAND's behaved actually rather well compared to its peers, both in the emerging mm. market space and also the developed market space. So you're seeing peak inflation. You've nailed your colours to the mast there, unless, of course, the RAND goes on a run, but it's showing no signs of doing so, despite the rampant US dollar. The other thing you say is GDP growth. We're back at pre 
pre-COVID production levels. But let's face it, Malcolm, pre-COVID production levels were woefully low. So we're just moving up a little bit from, as I say, a woefully low base. Again, devil's advocate. No, it is a woefully level base. But once again, when, when, when we're in the height of COVID, they were expecting it to take four to five years to get back there. So the fact that we've done it in half the time is a an achievement. Eskom is the big laggard on that, and 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 yeah, that's is the reality check. If it wasn't for Eskom, we would be way above that level. It, you know, we're going to grow at about 1.7 percent this year. If Eskom load shedding had not happened, we would have been close to two and a half. And we all know that three percent is the magic number. That's where we start creating proper employment, creating proper uh, opportunity set, and, and you know, the budget numbers become very, very healthy quite, you know, very quickly. So I'm not, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not saying things are all, you know, all working and we're, we're firing on all cylinders, but we are steadily making improvements. And on a relative basis, relative to countries like Turkey, it's got inflation of 83%. 85 Reserve and a half, actually, I saw on the television a couple of days ago. <laughs> Just updating call, you call there. Call me a liar for two basis points, but I think it's a rounding area when you're in the 80s. Yes. Uh, and yeah, I mean, Brazil's got their own political challenges now, where it's looking a little bit uncertain. And and you've got double-digit uh, inflation in Poland and Hungary and Central Europe, etc., like that. So, you know, we, when things calm down, and foreign investors you know, look at emerging markets as an asset class again, which they have not done for the last 12 months. You know, South Africa, on a relative basis, I like the dog with the least amount of fleas. Yeah. You know, we've still got fleas and a couple of ticks, but we've <laughs> shed a lot of those that we had a year ago. And politically, we're a little bit stronger. Structurally of the, you know, the country, we've got institutions working a lot better. We are prosecuting a lot of the crooks that have taken this country into a bit of a hole. And as I said, the fiscus is, is running a lot more smoothly and in the right direction to consolidate our debt, which is a very important aspect for a bond investor. Okay, I want to bring up a couple of things. We, you don't have to comment upon them all, but Eskom, it's been going on for so long. I mean, it, it, for goodness sake, someone do something about it now. Overpaying for new power facilities and corruption and everything, and I keep on hearing, "No, Eskom, we've got this new person in charge, and uh, everything's going to be fine." But it's not fine. You're still getting load shedding, aren't you, Malcolm? And we will still for another two years at least, for the simple reason that there is no quick fix. You were spot on. Those those power stations were over time, over budget, and under designed. And there's no way you can change that. The light at the end of the tunnel, as such is the private generation that was announced in July was a bit of a masterstroke because this is going to make it a lot easier and we are already seeing early snippets of it working uh, in some of the small instances, the amount that have been licensed. So, n- number one, Eskimo will not be the sole generator of power in, in the future. Good. I personally think they will uh, predominantly become a transmission company. So, their transmission lines are their real assets and they, as we know, that's been split, and the president confirmed that again yesterday in Parliament. So you'll have these separate companies that you can focus on. That will be a going concern at least, and 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 that hopefully will be run very very well, and that they can then buy generation from uh, pri- private generators who, so far in all the renewable industries, have been built on time and on budget. Um, so. The resilience of South African companies, I think, will come through and, and, and we will surprise ourselves in, in two years or so when load shedding starts disappearing. Gosh, I hope so. 
and I love your optimism. But before we take advantage of your optimism by you know, investing, I want to talk about uh, one other thing, and that's South Africa's vulnerability. And there's two vulnerable spots that we've got. One is the global economy, which is widely predicted to go into recession. The actions of the US Federal Reserve is part of that first answer. And the second uh, comment is commodities. If commodities start to fall, then South Africa and the RAND are very, very exposed. So if both or one of those things start to go, then everything you've said, while valid at the moment, is out the window. Yeah, no, not necessarily out the window. We will have some some momentum into it still because, I mean, the prices, unless they completely fall in a heap. But I think the recession in Europe is pretty much priced. I mean, it's been the most telegraphed event. Even Madame Lagarde said the recessions, it's, it's not if it happens, it's when it happens. And, you know, I, th- I think a lot of that bad news is priced in the market. It's priced in the currency. That's why we have been a lot weaker to the U.S. dollar, et cetera. So I'm less worried about that as a risk. Your commodity uh, comment is is spot on. You know, we need a China to you know not go into free fall because they are one of the biggest buyers of our commodities. Although you know there are now rumours that they will be opening up post all their, their zero COVIDs, et cetera. Yes. And if that's the case, then I think we will bumble along quite happily. And even at these lower levels of commodity prices, it is still attractive and, and still you know, financially beneficial for the country. Okay, let's talk about how to take advantage of your optimism. I said earlier on, I don't want you to talk about specific funds. I want you to talk about your general strategy and how you're looking forward to 2023 and beyond, uh, potentially when Eskom stops shedding its load. Uh, So the next couple of years, how are you going to position yourself at 91? So we're looking at the South African bond market and, and, you know, a ten-year bond, you can get you know close on eleven and a quarter percent yield. Hmm. And yeah, you know, if you look at it on a risk-return basis, you know some of the scenario that you painted the global recession and a, and a commodity boom. Yeah, you know, maybe we sell off a you know, hundred basis points. So that's a, I don't think it's a huge probability, but it is it is a probability nonetheless that the Fed does more than we expect. In that case, you will still get about a 6% return on your bond, which is just, just below cash. If if we bumble along and nothing changes, you will earn in a 12 months' time, we'll be sitting here, and you would have clipped an 11.25% return. That's an envir- environment where inflation, in our view, is going to average 55 next year. That's a very sexy and attractive real, real return. It is. If some of my optimism is correct – and we actually rally 100 basis points, your return's closer to 18%. Hmm. So, you know, the way I look at it is is you've got a, a reasonable chance of a bumbling along, so 11 and a quarter. You've got a pretty decent chance of some positive news being priced in as the Fed gets to a point where whatever they do is priced in the market. And I don't think we're a million miles from there. I think we're closer to the end than the beginning as far as rate hikes in the, in the developed markets. And once, once you get to a level where rates are now on hold, foreign investors typically start looking for other destinations for their capital. And as I said, on a relative basis, South Africa is looking attractive. And you know, we've seen what happens when that wall of money comes at markets. The chance of capital gain is quite juicy. What a great way to end a really great chat. Thank you, Malcolm. Malcolm Charles is Portfolio Manager, Diversified Income Fund at 91 in Cape Town. And that was South Africa, Perceptions versus Reality.
This podcast is a marketing communication and is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is not an invitation to make an investment and should not be construed as advice. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of 91. In South Africa, 91 is an authorized financial services provider.